0: Are you ready for the Quantum Age?
1: Humanity's next step in evolution?
0: Dream Vision 7 Radio Network invites you to the extraordinary platform of evolutionary voices for the quantum age.
1: Let's explore, learn more about this upcoming age where we bridge science with spirituality.
0: Where potentiality meets reality.
1: Where we take compassion into action.
0: Our Trailblazers and Visionaries will ask the whys, the what-ifs, while igniting continuous possibility.
1: Come along with us into an age beyond what we know today where we can grow together in unity consciousness.
0: Experience evolutionary voices for the quantum age Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on dreamvision7radio.com.
1: Welcome to Awakening to True Happiness with modern day mystic David Hoffmeister offering you the how-to to spiritual awakening by addressing on a practical level answers to your deepest questions. David Hoffmeister is a world-renowned teacher of A Course in Miracles and has been traveling the world for the past quarter of a century, offering his wisdom to audiences who invited. On this show, you'll hear recordings of David's best live talks, inviting you into an experience of deep wisdom and true clarity. To learn more about David, visit his website at davidhoffmeister.com. Dot com. Awakening to True Happiness with David Hoffmeister is part of Evolutionary Voices for the Quantum Age Heard Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on the Dream Vision 7 radio network
0: Hi everyone <laughs> Hi everyone,
2: hi David
0: <laughs> Oh, what a beautiful retreat though <laughs> the mystical heart of Christ, just the name, oh, just sends tingles up my spine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so beautiful to see you. And yeah, I think, Francis, we've got a lot of new people joining us from around the globe. That's that's fun for us.
2: Yeah, I actually was counting on the, the countries of everyone who are joining us this weekend. I counted 27 countries in total. And then we have quite a few people who join us for the very first time um, from Australia, from Ireland, United Kingdom, United States, Argentina, and Mexico. So big welcome to everyone. But uh, for the, for those who are first time, yeah, thank you so much for for finding us and uh, spending this time with us together
0: yeah yeah and if you this is your first time uh, there'll come a point here not too long from now that we'll just kind of open it up for expressions you can just share any miracles you've had or how you got here or questions you have and uh, we love to hear from people who are just joining for the first time, just jump right in there because it's a it's a witness to everybody that there's nothing to, to fear, nothing to hesitate with, nothing to hold you back, because this uh, awakening of your heart and the joy and happiness in your heart is, is very important and it's a top priority. So we love to hear from new people, and uh, yeah, we thank you all for writing in your your expressions, your questions. We take we read through those very carefully. We take them to prayer, and we usually are able to answer a few of them uh, on the first day of the retreat, but then uh, the following on Sunday we'll devote the whole uh, session and and then some to uh, answering as many questions and as many. whether you bring them up live uh, to us or whether you've written them in, we we try to to get to them. So today, wow, Francis, what a what a topic. We're just uh, you know, christ is is in our hearts, and it feels like every day, every moment we get expanded, expanded in the awareness of the christ presence and and so much happiness and joy. But bursting joy is really what we're experiencing. And it's spilling over. We're kind of getting ready to launch a new website and new app, and start doing a bunch of lives. Um, many of them spontaneous lives. You might even say uh, worship services or worship sessions. <laughs> it seems to be coming in for us. Uh, and to me, I know that's that's just a natural thing because I listen to beautiful, uplifting songs and pray and meditate all through the day and worship. God. And Jesus tells us in the Course that that God is actually deserving of, of worship, not by just uh, praying words, but just by our happiness and our joy is a worship to God, because God created us as happiness and joy. So when we're happy, we're worshiping God. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> it doesn't take a particular form. You don't have to, you know, use rituals if they don't have any uh, meaning for you, but just your state of mind, your attitude is the the worship. So Francis, we've had a a nice chat this morning, and yeah, there's been some beautiful ideas that have been coming to us. Uh, We want to start it off and just share what you're feeling.
2: (laughs) Yeah, even this morning we were talking about just the new direction that came in for us, because um, some of you have been following us for a while, started to notice that we're kind of start to embrace the different symbols of uh, the Bible and the Christian symbols on top of the course. But this is just, just reminding me this morning that this is just one of the many, many, many steps that the Spirit is guiding us along this Journey to a total awakening and remembrance. And we don't really know how this journey is gonna go. But once we give our whole heart and our whole mind to say, you know, of ourselves, we can do nothing, but of God, everything is possible. And we do not know, we will step back and but follow, then this kind of directions comes in and we don't really know what, what, it, what it does, what it means, but in experience, it gives a direct experience because in my direct experience, it opens my heart. It expands my awareness. It's beyond the words, beyond something that I can put my finger on, and say, what does it, what did it? No, it's just this constant expan- expansion in trust, in faith, And in realizing while all symbols are used by spirit, by Christ, to guide me into this direct experience, to realize I am living in Christ, this is my life. And I'm gonna be forever guided to expand, forever guided in this everlasting, ever expanding happiness and joy that just keeps growing. And in that, I feel so much hope because you really realize you don't need to do anything. You don't need to know anything. And we can just give all our trust and faith to this momentary guidance that keeps flooding to our awareness. It's like a broadcast going on. The Spirit is there broadcasting directions receive, receive and follow me and be happy. And I I just, you know, when I was talking to David about this, this it's just what's happening right now, but it's so indicative of this journey. You know, when we start this journey, we seem to have our own individual lives and within our individual lives, there's sets of problems, sets of difficulties, sets of personality characteristics that just not good enough or this and that. But Jesus and the spirit just, there is a plan. That's really what it is. There is a plan for us. It's so loving and says, you know, it doesn't matter about your perspective of your life and your problems. I'm going to wash all of them away. I'm going to wash all of them away. Day by day, this is my plan for you. And that's why I just feel so grateful that we are all joined. We're all called in this. We're, we're sharing this plan. It must be that because we're here together. This is our plan. That's given by God.
0: Yeah, that's it. It's like that, that thing from Star Trek, beam me up, Scotty. It's like we're just saying, beam me up, God. And you don't really have to know the specifics of how that beaming up will occur. In fact, it's better that you don't <laughs> if you if you have any plans and ideas for the beaming that then they will get in the way because those plans and ideas always come from the past and and Jesus says in the course, you know, God will take the final step. In other words, all you can do is make ready your mind by listening and following the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and there's so many great examples of those that have just been totally taken over by God. And it's quite an amazing thing and it's quite sparkly. Uh, t- t- tomorrow I will be showing uh, a movie that is going to be about a man who's kind of a, he's a staunch atheist, but he has a very brilliant mind. He's read all the classics. He's very sharp. He's witty. He's, he's everything that you would want out of a, a very sharp mind. And then, and then progressively, uh, God comes in and takes over his mind. Eventually, he, he realizes he wanted his own individual soul. And even that has to go. <laughs> you can't even have your own individual soul. You know, you have to you have to give way to the great beam up, beam me up, the mer- the great merge, the great of myself. I am nothing, but of you, of Christ, I am everything, because Christ is our our identity. So Francis and I were talking, and there was just so many uh, great saints that were coming to mind today. I was thinking of Saint Francis and how he in his simple way just surrendered into the great merge i was thinking of yogananda who who dearly loved jesus and who just surrendered into the great merge i was thinking of thomas merton who you know was a monk for years went through all kinds of was a playboy in france and and then he tried to be a franciscan and they kicked him out of the franciscan's and yet he found another group the trappist In Kentucky, and then yielded into the great merge with God. That's where it all ends, and that's where it begins. That's where the Alpha and the Omega are are the same. So I think what we'd like to do is is talk about our experiences and letting go. And uh, different ones have written in questions about stress uh, related to particular situations or The stress of trying to hang on to a personality, self, a little me, a mini-me. Some have talked about the stress that comes up in in relationships or just dealing with things on earth. And this weekend is about really merging in the mystical heart of Christ just by letting go of, of control, instead of believing you have control over your body, over your personality self, control over your days, control over your future, uh, those things are all quite stressful. But when you let go, and you say, I really don't know what anything's for, and and I just trust so much in you, Jesus, to guide me and direct me, you feel a peace come over your heart, a peace washes over yourself and you think, oh my gosh, that was it. It's all in the, the surrender. And Francis and I were also talking today about the main teaching from A Course in Miracles. If you had to squeeze it down and summarize it, it's that you have to bring illusions to the truth. You cannot bring the truth into the illusion. Many religions, philosophies, uh, educational systems and so on and so forth have have tried to bring the truth into the illusion. And what Jesus is teaching us is that's just a delay maneuver. That's like a, a fancy ego maneuver for trying to keep the light and trying to light up illusions. But the but the meaning of illusion is nothingness. It, it, it's unreal. You can't bring light to something that has no reality, but you can bring your beliefs, in your self-concept, in the world, in everything you believe about time and space, you can bring that to the light, and they will all happily disappear. And that's been our journey, Francis. You know, it's I know as we've taken the steps of faith, things have fallen away that seemed like responsibilities, that seemed like heavy uh, expectations, that seemed like shoulds and tos in terms of what you're supposed to do to be a good person. And those things had to be lifted up and and dispelled. And that's kind of been our journey. That's the way it's gone for us.
2: Yeah. You know, I actually recently listened to this this guy who had a near-death experience. I think he is even your friend, David, uh, Howard Storm. Yeah. Yeah, and he he said this one thing that was very striking. He said when he was having a conversation with Jesus, um, in the other realm, he was debating with Jesus how he he the love each other doesn't work here because people are so mean and people are are so feisty and it's not gonna work. And and Jesus was back and forth with him for a while. In the end, Jesus said. This is God's plan. And he, that shut him down completely. He just like, okay, if this is God's plan, what, what am I to say that it's not gonna work? But that was very striking for me because I was also thinking, you know, truly God has a plan. And we are here just to yield, to, to surrender to that. And I look at my own life and a lot of the people in the community, that's truly all that we really did to give us permission to surrender to that which is actually inevitable. It's not a keep fighting and kicking and trying to make it work in this world and trying to establish something which which we all came to try to do. But at some point when when we find some kind of inner spark that feels so different, then we just said, okay then this feels actually much more e- easy and relaxing. And then I f- feel like looking at this journey, we are letting go of so much that we invested in, in this world, but isn't really letting go in terms of our own effort. There is in no, no point on this journey that it works to let go of something we value. But what happened over and over again is, again, God has a plan. And through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we just, if we trust the guidance and dare to follow it, then our joy grows, our heart opens, and we went into this expanded state of mind where the other things just cease to be attractive. That's the voluntary letting go that always happens. So, so this journey is really not so much about letting go, but about more about gaining what is truly valuable, gaining what is truly valuable by following that which is truly valuable for us in our heart, following God's plan. And that is very, very practical, very, very real and, and experiential for us on this journey. So that's the good news, really. It's very, very practical.
0: Yeah. Jesus is a good example of that. You know, from the, the Bible, we have a general idea that he seemed to grow up in this world like all of us, and he seemed to have a vocation of being a carpenter. And then suddenly, the whole story of Jesus growing up and being a carpenter started to be eclipsed when he started to call apostles and just say, Follow me. You know, that even in this world today, uh, over 2,000 years later, if somebody would come up to you on the street, for example, and say, Follow me. You probably would just look at them with the strangest thing, like, bug off. <laughs> what are you what are you saying to me? What do you what do you even mean? But actually he did that. And only from the presence of the Christ can you look into people's eyes and go, follow me. And that's that's the extent of what he said to them at the beginning. <laughs> just follow me. <laughs> and and yet, he suddenly was speaking, before Abraham was, I am, and I and the Father are one. And and when you hear him speak, you, you think, oh my gosh, that is not a person anymore. That sounds like a divine being that is absolutely certain of who, who is true, who is real, absolutely certain of God and, and of the Christ identity. So, I think when we look at at diving in, like Francis is saying, it shows itself. The, the spirit of the Lord shows itself. The spirit of love and light shows itself. It takes over your personality. It takes over your the personal world. It takes over everything in the most glorious way with, with humor, with joy, with love, with laughter. It's, it basically takes over, It takes it takes back what is always true. So when we say serving God's plan, we're basically saying serving God's will, and God's will is for perfect happiness. So it simply means as you go through your day, if you're not perfectly and supremely happy all throughout the day, then that whatever is arising in awareness or consciousness is showing you that you don't believe in God's will, because God's will is for perfect happiness. If you're not happy, then there you go. You, you've you got something to surrender into. You can just say humbly, oops, not happy there. Looks like I need to just pray for your will. Show me your will. Show me the thing that's most important. And that's really, really what, what we want. So I feel like Another way of looking at that is Jesus summarizes his course. He says, your sole responsibility is to accept the atonement for himself. And basically, when that what that means is, what does atonement mean? Jesus says at one point, he says, a total escape from the past and a complete lack of interest in the future. Doesn't that sound delicious? a total escape from the past and a complete lack of interest in the future. In that state, you are fully present to yourself and to all your brothers and sisters. And in that state, that is where you you finally can rest. That's the state of merge. There's just a state of present moment awareness that has taken over Everything and and you're left with a big smile on your face. You're not you're not not concerned about anything, but you're just left with a big smile on your face. So to me, that's that's the ultimate of bringing illusions to the truth.
2: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, when we when we trust the spirit and trust his guidance. And not really putting our mind or investment or faith into solving the problems at hand. We actually it is it's a it's a total different direction we're giving our mind into. One is define problems, solve problems. One is listen to the quiet, still voice, pray, listen, and follow. And that is where all problems, because in that we're guided into a place where all problems are already dissolved. So it's really this battle going on in our mind, this vacillation going on all the time. Do I wanna, do I wanna be my own, um, the ruler of my world where I, I, I'm gonna be the one solving all the problems or do I trust God and the spirit that everything has already solved in Him—that's where what I'm gonna find. This is really, you know, the, the 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 difference and the way the two different state of mind. And one is bring the truth to the illusion, where to say my problem is so and so. God, come down to help me solve it, and it's never gonna work because we're still holding on so tight. And the other is bring the truth to the illusion to say, you know, bring the illusion to truth to say, help me with Christ's vision to see everything, to see how there is no problem, to see how the problem has already been solved. So in that is just constant, um, yeah, constant practice, actually, day in and day out with, you know, in in our community, we have been guided to live together and being guided to do a lot of the collaborative Projects and communication, but really, underneath it all is nothing but just practice that, just to practice giving our mind always to the guidance to see that there is no problem to the willingness to forgive that's really the whole practice in different situations, in different scenarios, in different you know different day and time, but
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when Jesus was here on earth, you might say every day for the apostles and all those that were around him were were getting a strong dose every day of, we'll call it practical Christianity. Not that Jesus even knew of a word called Christianity at the time, because he was the living Christ Presence. And his past said that he was a Jewish man, and he was part of Judaism. But when he opened himself completely to God, then suddenly that living presence was was showing the fullness, the the love, the welcome, the tenderness of God in everyday interactions. And that's why when people even watch a series like The Chosen, they cry, (laughs) because they watch an episode and they're like, I don't know why I'm so stirred up and moved to cry, but its I think it's because it's so practical. It's the practical expression of love in day-to-day experiences. In what the world seems to be a world of separation, there's a demonstration of, of this uh, unconditional universal love, the universal Christ. So I think, like Francis has been saying, you start to When you look and you seem to have so many problems that you deal with every day and every week, and then it continues on every month and every year, you start to pray that maybe I'm mistaken about all of it. Maybe all of the problems that I'm facing in the human experience are all just a denial of God's love. Maybe I believe in an identity that God didn't create a self-concept, a self-image, and and the only problems that come up every day and repeat themselves are trying to maintain this self-image or this self-concept, this idol. A personality self actually is, is an idol because God created us His perfect spirit, so when we try to maintain the idol, we face daily struggles and challenges. So Jesus makes it real simple for us. He says every, every issue that we face and every question that we face is always a question of identity. Even if you say, oh, we're out of milk, or I got a bill electric bill in, in the mail and I can't afford to pay it, or um, my cupboard is empty with food, or I can't pay my gas bill to keep the house heated. Those are all forms of self-concept that were made up by the ego to keep you from being quiet, being still, and going deep, deep, deep into prayer to remember your true identity. And then you start to realize, wow, there really aren't any real problems. It's all just little pointers. A problem is a little pointer, a little nudge. The Holy Spirit is saying, come back to who you really are. Come back to your Christ Self. God created you perfect, come back to that perfection. Not as a human being, but come come inside, come inside into the deep chambers of your heart and and close your closet door, Jesus said <laughs> in the Bible. When you pray, go to your closet and shut the door, he said. That's just saying, shut out your attention being placed on all these externals that you believe are outside your mind. They're really in they're in your mind. And you made them up with the ego, but you can let them go. So for us, you know, everything that we've gone through has just shown us that that the world actually doesn't have any value in and of itself. It doesn't even exist without belief. You couldn't even perceive a world in time and space unless you believed in it. But the good news is, is you don't have to believe in it. You you don't have to believe in the linear sequencing of time. You can can put your belief in the holy instant. Uh, You can put your desire and your prayer for the holy instant, where you just pray unceasingly, show me your will God, show me my true self, show me, you. it's okay to pray unceasingly throughout the day. Because even when you're praying that prayer, you will simply draw forth re- reflections and witnesses of the prayer of your heart. And if your prayer of the heart is, is a true sincere prayer to know God, then you can enjoy the reflections and witnesses that show up. You're not trying to push anyone away. You're not trying to push anything away. It's just like with Christ's help, the Holy Spirit's help, you can embrace everything in perception with, you might say, a big smile because there's no sense of um, competition. There's no sense of um, differences. It's it's all part of the, the great merge the great, great merge. Well, we had some beautiful questions that were written in and Francis and I were looking at them. Uh, one of them was from a, a new participant, first time Diana Munoz, and maybe Francis, do you want to reach? She had a kind of a brief question, but we were liking it. We were saying, wow, that's a good springboard to to lunch
2: yes diana from mexico um, asked i have a lot of stress and anxiety at work demanding clients many tasks to do that have deadlines demands for quality and performance constant travel etc how can i see the heart of christ in this situation
0: There's a good one. That's the really good one to kick it off. How can I see the heart of Christ in this situation? And well, when Francis and I were talking about that earlier, we were feeling I remember right away the Jesus teaching us in the early part of the early 20s of the workbook in no situation do you perceive your own best interest. So the first place to go when you're wanting to see the heart of Christ is to humbly take that in. Oh, in no situation do I perceive my own best interest, because because if I did, then then I wouldn't feel stress. If I perceive my own best interest, if I perceive my own best interest, the peace, the happiness, the joy, the calmness and tranquility in my mind then whatever was appearing in front of me, whatever is appearing in my experience, would, would be accepted as, as complete. But when we believe we're lacking, when we're missing something, whether we're, we're lacking things for the body, whether we're psychologically lacking uh, intimacy or connectedness, uh, a sense of deep purpose, then until I'm really ready to let go of what I perceive to be my self-concept best interest, until I can let that go, then I'm, I'm resisting the heart of Christ. But once I start to open up and say, show me what my best interests are. And the very next lesson after the first one I just gave you Jesus says, everything is for your own best interest, meaning all things are working together for good. There are no exceptions. But it's which filter am I looking through? So, I, Francis, I think we really like this question because we start to realize when we're looking for the happiness and the peace and the calm in the situation, then we're looking for it in a very tight parameter. Uh, which is basically a projection of belief and and we have to really find it inside ourselves that's kind of the way it's gone in our lives
2: yeah and that's i think that's why even jesus gives these rules for decisions he says set set the goal up front set the decide what kind of day you want at the beginning of the day and i noticed that seems to be you know like um We have the power to choose our state of mind. We really do. And when we say, you know, today I will not be the critic of God. Today I will not judge anything that occurs to me. Today I would behold Christ. I will behold the spirit. I will only look for the light And we have that power to see it because that's our will. And that is really the key here. If otherwise, then we we are looking for problems and we're looking for errors and we will find them. And then it, it went into this loop of finding error trying to solve it, defining situations, which is actually a very, very different world um so like david said there is no there in no situation do we perceive our best interest but if we choose the different filter and we we decide to see that this day is a day that given to me by the spirit and i am going i am going to make that the purpose of my day to behold christ wherever I meet, whatever I do, whatever I say, then that becomes a very, very different day. So this is really a a beautiful question because it indicates which filter we're choosing constantly in our mind. And this is really um, the mind training that Jesus is talking about in in A Course in Miracles. There is a, a mind training the untrained mind can accomplish nothing because the untrained mind perceives nothing right so that's yeah that's just a really hit the core of this question
0: yeah i've done some talks many years ago where i was with a group of students and i was saying that situational thinking is the problem in other words if jesus is teaching us it's all working together for the good if Jesus is teaching us that what is the same cannot be different and what is one cannot have separate parts. If he's teaching us there really are no real differences and there are no nothing to compare and contrast, he's basically teaching us that when we go toward the awakened mind we'll see the world in a way where we see the whole world of time and space in a holistic way. But that's not the way the ego trained us. The ego taught us to think in terms of situations. We have the the home life or the family life. We have the work life. We have partnerships, different friendships, different colleagues, different aspects of our life as a human being. And Jesus is saying, no, that's not eternal life. Eternal life doesn't have different aspects. This is an ego projection of your self-concept. So, like you're saying, um, you have clients at work that are very demanding. Um, When you look at work and career and deadlines, all of that is part of the survival mechanism that the human is kicked into from the belief in lack and scarcity. And what Jesus is saying is if you come inside deep enough, you will find the true abundance of heaven. You will find in your purpose you will find everything in the tapestry comes together. You see the whole tapestry, you see the big picture. But as long as you keep trying to say, home life, work life, you know, we separate it out into different aspects and then we try to juggle and balance. How many people you know have been like, tried to be a mother to children and then take on a career and have a working career and be a mother, it seems like there are conflicting self-concepts where the the aspects of the self-concept conflict with each other and you end up saying well there's only so much time in a day i can't i can't be everything to everyone i can't be everywhere i can't fulfill all these aspects completely and jesus is saying right in no situation do you perceive your own best interests you need to let go of the thoughts and beliefs of who you are before you can come back to this wholeness and completeness. And this is why we study the lives of the mystics and saints, because we see all the ones I mentioned, we could talk about, you know, Saint Francis or or, you know, Yogananda. All of the mystics and saints go to a place of that merge in their mind, and that's really what Jesus is training us to do in A Course in Miracles. He's saying, become so devoted in your mind. And it's also practical, as Francis was saying earlier, that, that once you value peace of mind and, and love and God and joy, then the aspects seem to take care of themselves. Things that you find you didn't do from your own effort. Or your own personal actions start to just solve themselves. And pretty soon, so many things solve themselves in your perception that you see the world in a whole different way. But you have to let the Holy Spirit lead that. You can't try to guide that as a person, say, Well, I'm going to cut this aspect out or cut this aspect out. It's not like a diet where you cut things out of your diet, it's more you devalue the images of the world, and you put your prayer and faith into to God, and then suddenly your perception gets transformed and you see the world in a new way. So thank you for writing that in, it's a, just as a first-time new participant. That's, that gets to the core of what we mean by bring the illusions to the truth, and don't try to bring the truth into the illusions. The the complex situations are the illusions. We have to give them over in our mind to the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and say, Show me this in a, in a new way, instead of trying to uh, have some kind of a Holy Spirit problem solver that goes into the form and tries to change the form to make things better. It's a big difference between those two approaches. And, Francis, there was a couple other, we have a what'd you say, a couple over in the UK that each have written in, um, they're looking at the mystery school for next year, but they've both written in um, questions. If you want to go through those, since they're mm-hmm. together as a couple, we can address them.
2: Lauren and Sam, I see you guys there. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Yeah, thank you for joining us for the first time and for writing in Um, Should I read the question first? Yeah.
0: Yeah, That sounds good.
2: Well, Sam wrote in the question around getting more in touch with suppressed and repressed emotions. He says, the way I dealt with emotions while I was growing up was to just push them away and not feel them. I've gotten more in touch with my emotions than I have ever been in the past few years but I'm having particular trouble getting in touch with sadness. Whenever I even come close to sadness, it seems to get shut down instantly. And I also think I have a lot of defenses around crying because in my family there has been a perception passed down that to cry is to show weakness. I don't think this is true, but I'm still unable to cry. So I think it is still operating in me subconsciously. I think this is a big block for my healing. Do you have any advice on how to feel more, how to feel more and really let go of these defenses?
0: Mm. That's beautiful. Well, Sam, you're bringing up one of the most important things in terms of of healing in the sense that you're aware that there's things that you were brought up with and that you still have a belief in and an investment in. And and that's part of the healing is when you start to see, oh, I have a, an association in my mind between crying and being weak. Uh, or there's some kind of a, a protective mechanism that when I start to feel a little bit of sadness, then the big shutdown comes. It's almost like the ego goes, no, 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 and, and just closes the door on that emotion and pushes it the ego doesn't want you to feel the fullness of the sadness or the fullness of any emotion because of the intensity of the emotion and then when we do feel these intense emotions like sadness then the ego uses it against us and says oh look you're you're insufficient you're you're not you're not functioning you're not uh, enough, you're not evolved enough, um, and it will use it kind of as a put down uh, to maintain the defense. But just like it in many uh, wedding vows, in many traditions where uh, a man leaves his family, a, a woman leaves her family, and, and you join together in a marriage of connecting and joining for growth, for expansion. This is like a new opportunity that you have in your relationship to to allow those emotions up. And and in allowing them up to, you might say, to let the mask crack a little bit, Uh, the mask of keep it together, the mask of um, hide your feelings, the the mask of um, you must not show emotion to be strong. All those associations in the mind are just starting to just little by little come up into awareness so that they can they can be seen for what they are but we have to do it experientially we have to do it in our daily lives and that's what the healing practice is so that's why we have in our communities no private thoughts and no people pleasing cuz we're really here to encourage people to get in touch with what's going on in their mind not to try to just push it away as like a standard Reaction. These are long-standing patterns, and I know for myself, when I was in my teens and my twenties, I used to have some of the same patterns going on. And I just thought, "Wow, I'm never going to get past this. I'm I'm just going to be limited my whole life by this these mechanisms, these defense mechanisms." I I was very shy. I was very timid. Closed down and And I had to go through a lot of experiences, and it seemed to actually take uh like decades actually, for the full rinse. But I was just happy to be moving in the direction of the rinse. <laughs> you know i would I would say, "Keep going, you know, you're moving in the right way, even though it seems like you're chipping away and it's very tiny little chips. I knew that I needed to keep going in that direction, so I see that. That's the value of your relationship with Lauren. And and also Francis, do you have Lauren's expression?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, Lauren says, I would like to ask for advice on letting go of desires. I feel like material desires have fallen away, but desires such as my sister's happiness, I find very difficult to honestly let go of. I use the instrument for peace and come to a block when I ask myself, do I voluntarily let go of the desire for my sister's happiness? I understand rationally that this desire is a block to my inner peace. But when I say the world, uh, when I say the words, I feel a physical pain in my heart. It's like my head is saying, yes, I'm willing to let this go and choose the peace of God instead, but my heart is saying, no, I want to keep this one too. I feel like I'm cheating myself and that I'm not going deep enough with it. Do you have any advice on this? Love Lauren.
0: Francis, I remember you 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 had something that came to you immediately when you read Lauren's expression.
2: Yeah, I was I was feeling it's more um, you know, instead of letting go of the desire for her happiness is more the trust of giving her over to God to take in, to be taken care of because it, it feels like there is a trust of God will take care of me so will God take care of everybody else and with that faith and I also noticed because I this one um I just Listen to one story yesterday, actually. It was about Siddhartha who left the palace to go on and then um, find awakening under the, the Bodhi tree. And then he, I didn't know this, but I heard yesterday that he went back to the palace and met his father who was the king. And his father was really wanting to keep him and saying, I'll give you all my wealth and uh, please, I want, to, I love you so much and I want to be with you. And, and he said, give the wealth to all the ones outside of the palace. Then you will truly be with me, the Buddha. And, and it was such a beautiful, because he realized who he really was, who he really is. And, and in that, he speaks to his father to say, you know, I'm with you because this is who I truly am and you, you can be with me. But that's what I was thinking even about all the families that, you know, we develop these ties with. Um, And then when we turn into Jesus, all of a sudden, like, oh my God, all these family ties and the family roles. But even listening to that story yesterday, I, I had this feeling that that was very true. You know, deep down, we, We are a family. We are the true family together in in God's kingdom. We are all brothers and sisters. And the other role are set up by the ego, mother, sister, brother, father, and we can get engaged in that. But at the same time, they are counting on us to to realize our true, Identity and shine our light to them. This is really what is going on. That's our function on um, you know, in this world. This is our function that's given by God to call the true family together in in the light, in the Christ, in the heart of Christ. So I don't know whether it's relevant, but when I was reading your question, this came to mind. Give your sister to God to take care of. Trust God with all, all our heart. And then, this Adal's story came to mind as well of who we all are to each other.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Because we're going for this universal agape love, so it's, so it's more like it's not so much we're excluding anyone from our love, but we're just opening up and and welcoming everything and everyone into our perception. and um, And so you can see there's kind of two angles. One is the angle where we seem to have given meaning to certain characters in the dream and we call them my sister or my brother in a in a biological way because we we overlay a biological meaning. Out of the 7.8 billion, here's my biological sister and and here's my biological brother and so forth. And then little just a little bit we lift them up because of that definition of who they are. And what Jesus is teaching us is you can't really know God and you can't really know yourself until you love everyone as yourself. And people will have been asking me for the last 30 years, you know, am I supposed to love Adolf Hitler or love Mussolini or Osama Bin Laden or Saddam Hussein? Am I supposed to actually love them? Am I supposed to actually love that Vladimir Putin? You know, am I supposed to have warm, gushy feelings in my heart when I hear the word Vladimir? You know, is that really what Jesus is taking me to? Yeah, actually it is, uh, because he knows that the essence of Vladimir is the same as the essence of Lauren, the same as the essence of Sam, of David, of Francis. Our essence is the same, and it's love, and God created that love. And when we overlay meanings from the ego, we block the love. We can't feel the love. And um, I've had so many great experiences over these last 30, 36 years, where um, I remember one time I was at at my little peace house in Cincinnati, and um, two friends of mine got into a big, uh, they were married, but they got into arguments and debates. And then uh, the wife, I think, threw the husband out of the house and the husband kept trying to come back. And then she had to get one restraining order, two restraining orders, three restraining orders. And so it, it devolved into like things do in time and space. Uh, what was a married couple, they actually were kind of going, it was like a war going on. And then um, one day um, I heard a knock at the door, and uh, I opened the door, and and without knowing it, I, I just said, hi, welcome, and come in, you want to come in for a cup of tea? I was inviting the husband in for a cup of tea, and he had like three warrants for his arrest, <laughs> and but Jesus doesn't care about those things. You know, Jesus enjoys every holy encounter. I just sat there and, and he was saying some things to me, you know, which is like, oh, I finally get to meet David and all these things. And, but I had not met him before, but I was having a delightful time with him like I have with everybody because I didn't have any past overlay on him. I didn't even know at the time that he had three warrants on his arrest. I was cluelessly, blissfully in the Holy Spirit's light, and then we had a delightful time, a cup of tea, and then off he went. And then later on, both the husband and the wife called me separately and said, this is crazy, we got into such a war, now we've got the police, we can't even get near each other. And And they asked me to arrange a meeting so they could reconcile, and I I did. I told them, talked to them both separately and said, meet, told the husband, meet your wife at this restaurant (laughs) at this time. And then they reconciled and and began the forgiveness process, even though it had escalated like into a huge defense attack uh, position, which happens in the ego system. So, that's part of of awakening is is starting to see that you do wish happiness for your sister, Lauren, and you also wish it for a broader circle than just your sister. (laughs) But you have to start with your sister and let let the Holy Spirit spread it out uh, to everything and everyone. And that's what we call transfer of training. And that's really what the workbook of A Course in Miracles is for, to help Transfer the training to everyone, everything, and every situation without exception. And that may seem like a tall order, but it's God's will. (laughs) It's not. It's not really a tall order. It's like it's. It's the only thing in town. (laughs) It's the only thing around that matters. Is God's will? Is love? Is is openness? You know this warmth. You know so. So thank you both for. being so transparent, and yeah, hope to see you at the Mystery School, that that would be fantastic next year.
1: Thank you for listening to this edition of Awakening to True Happiness with modern-day mystic David Hoffmeister. You can access more of David's teachings by visiting his website at davidhoffmeister.com. Tune in to David again next week on Evolutionary Voices for the Quantum Age, heard Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on the Dream Vision 7 radio network.